Hello and welcome to Prodcast, the number one podcast for product teams. The Prodcast podcast is dedicated to bringing you key insights and learnings from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. The only sustainable competitive advantage in your career is to continually learn and grow. And the Prodcast podcast is all about democratizing shared learning for product teams. On today's episode, I sat down with Frank Spillers, Chief Experience Officer and Founder of Experience Dynamics. Frank is a subject matter expert in the field of UX, and he joined the podcast to share with us what we wish we knew about usability testing. This is an absolute treat, and I guarantee that listening to this episode will give you a competitive advantage against most other organizations out there. Hey, Frank, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So to kick things off, could you start by giving a, an introduction and a little bit about your background and what you're up to today? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I am the chief experience officer at a UX consulting firm called Experience Dynamics, and I actually founded that firm in 2001. And so I, what, I, what I'm up to is... Uh, uh, leading my teams on UX consulting projects. Um, I do a, I mean, I'm basically a, a designer and a researcher. I started out in the mid nineties with virtual reality and um, uh, got into UX that way actually with, with um, VR. And then uh, that kind of um, went into what they call the, the winter, the VR winter. And by the late nineties, <laughs> I was doing financial services, applic- web applications and, um, and then, you know, through the dot-com was working on like e-commerce and B2B, um, you know, web apps and software. And then in, into the late about 2000s, um, started working on mobile apps and mobile design. And, um, and uh, so, yeah, my, my ex- experience is varied and, and, and uh, um, diverse, but I, I, also, I also help companies manage their UX process and, I help team, you know, train teams, and um, I, I teach uh, classes at, at the Interaction Design Foundation, which is a huge nonprofit based in Denmark. And um, I, so, yeah, I have a few different things going on. I'm working on on, on a book and um, on the topic very of cool as well. So, yeah, cool. So, yeah, it was actually um, Interaction Design Foundation where I, I first got virtually introduced oh. to you in, in one of your courses. So, very cool to, to be connected after that. But um, we, we want to talk today about usability testing. And some companies have dedicated resources to do UX research, UX design, testing, all these things. Mm-hmm. But, but a, lot of, a lot of companies don't. And Sometimes, like myself as a product manager, I'm left to do the usability testing and research myself. So for, for those PMs like me who maybe aren't familiar with it or uh, need to start doing it in their organization, could you give us a background on, on what usability testing is and maybe the purpose of it? For sure. And, and actually, what, I, what I'd like to do is take a step even further back and talk about sure. PM and UX and how that fits together. Um, so... Today, product management totally gets um, UX, understands that it's a vital, um, you know, uh, uh, support and tool to help product managers with uh, assumptions, decisions, hunches, um, essentially all the stuff that goes into product management uh, and, and just the, the inputs, just the like the actual requirements. So 
how product managers rely on UX these days. And I'm talking about top performing product managers because there are still some product managers that are like, oh, I don't know about UX and they're still kind of skeptical. And I would consider them lower performing product managers, no, no offense, but um, it's a little bit like a develop, developers used to hold out and be like hostile because they didn't really understand UX and usability. Um, and these days developers as well as PMs um, totally get it and embrace it. Um, or at least they're open to it, you know, and they don't see it as a hostile threat kind of thing. But um, with UX, so how they deliver value, like UX has two sides to it. And one side is on requirements validation. So your PMs will do like market research typically, um, you know, because they have to make these like really important decisions about a product. And um, what where UX helps there is with behavioral insights. It's like, here's what people are doing. Here's the you know, where the abandonment area is, or here's why people are dropping off, or here's what, here's what's going to stop user adoption or whatever. So it's all this, what we call desirability. And that's a kind of upfront uh, activity that we do in terms of uh, user research. The second part, which we'll talk about today, <laughs> is, is uh, user testing. And uh, usability testing is once you have your product or a concept, a prototype, uh, built, then, then you uh, uh, test with it. So you, you test with users. So you take, you take it out. Does the rubber hit the road? Is this, are we going in the right direction? Are we smoking crack? You know, like what, is this totally pie in the sky or is this real? Do we have, do we have, and it's not like, it's not like market research where you go, do you like this? Is this navigation easy? It's not really that. It's more like, it's more like um, here's a task. I'm going to watch you perform it and I'm going to watch and see if you actually get it. I, I don't even want to know if you think you got it or I don't even know if you like it or if you think, you know, like I don't care about your thoughts and feelings really. That sounds really callous, but it, when it comes to usability testing, it's a, about behavioral validation of someone performing a task. Absolutely. And, and going back to kind of what, what I learned from you in the course, right? That, the task, like success rate of that task is, is the most important aspect of it, right? Right. Yeah. It all comes down to the task with usability testing. Uh, it comes down to uh, what we call successful task completion. And it's basically, did they get it or not? Were they successful? But it's from your observed perspective, as opposed to asking them, like I once had this guy, he, he went through, um, uh, I had a couple of examples, but I had the, this guy go through, he spent an hour and a half going through a kiosk. My client said, go to the store. There's an underperforming kiosk. We rolled them out and there, there are no conversions. It's just dead. And um, I had this, this guy go through and he was, a, he was retired, you know, senior citizen. This store was for retired people. And um, uh, it, it, uh, he went through the thing and it took, it took an hour and a half, him and his wife, and I actually helped him, which you should never do in usability testing. And this was like the one time I ever helped users, like right? deliberately helped them. And it's because I just, I was like, oh my God, and helped the guy buy the thing. And it was like their one sale, I swear to God, on that kiosk. But I learned a lot about, you know, he couldn't see it. It was like glaring from the lights up above. It was, I had to go back behind it and push it forward and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, so it, when I asked him afterwards, so how was that? He goes, oh, I'd give that a five out of five, except I wasn't able to do it. And I was like, uh. and so, you know, what that teaches you is that uh, 
you know, what people say and what they do is totally different. So with successful task completion, you have to watch them yourself and see if they go through. And you also don't want to tell them what you're watching. You don't want to say like, it would be very bad form and usability test to be like, um, go, go check notifications, you know, and then they go, they go there and they check notifications and you watch them. Well, that's like rigged, you know, like you're telling them. So what you would say is something you're kind of like, you have to be a little bit sneaky or a little bit more informal and say something like, you want to know what the latest status is or, you know, what's happening with your, you know, tickets or whatever. And they might check it on the dashboard or they might go to the notification bell in the top right corner, which, where it usually is or whatever, you know. Um, and th so you watch that and you watch how they problem solve, you know. There's this tendency in, in user testing for, for people that are moderating it to try and control users and try and like steer them and don't let them get off track, you know, and that's not moderation. Moderation is usually just zipping it, you know, keeping your, keeping your, your uh, ears open uh, and not talking a lot and not asking, you don't ask questions during a test. You're just, you literally give them a bunch of questions which are sneakily worded, you know, such as what's the latest status on your tickets, you know, and then you see where they go. Um, and you watch that and you watch them problem solve um, and you do your uh, question asking stuff rating or whatever afterwards, like the guy with the, you know, oh, I give it a five out of five, except I wasn't able to do it, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have a very uh, visceral example of, of uh, being able to let your users just go and not trying to like control the test. Uh, mm -hmm. I, in one of the first usability tests that I ran, it was actually, we used user testing for it. I, I only set up the, the web app prototype links to where you could only click on the thing I wanted you to click on. <laughs> and so she was trying to click on other places and wasn't able to go to those other places and got super frustrated. So mm -hmm. I learned that you need to make fully clickable prototypes. So you can actually see where they go and alleviate some of that frustration and be more observant. Yeah. So, you know, I actually like broken prototypes. Let me tell you why. It okay. sounds really counterintuitive. Um, the reason I like broken prototypes, like basically what you described is what we call a low fidelity prototype, which is you just wired up the pathways for your tasks and you didn't wire up every single thing because it'll take you, you know, it'll take extra time. Yep. The, re the reason it's okay to test with broken prototypes and that I think you, John, should become more comfortable with it is because um, it, tell, it can tell you what a user's expectations are. Um, and, you know, so like they go and they click on the broken thing and they're like, God, that, that doesn't work. Now you can record in your notes, you can record, they would have got it because that would have been hooked up in real life, you know, that whatever, that pathway um, that would go to the answer. Yeah. Um, but to watch them and also to watch them go and check the other way, because usually apps and websites and stuff have multiple doors or multiple ways. So to, you know, do they go back to the dashboard? Do they go to the settings? You know, do they go back to their email or like, how do they problem solve? I just love that. And that's the part where I noticed in moderation skills, some people over moderate. They, they're just like, Oh no, go back over here. Or that's enough. Just keep going to the next task. And, you, you do need to move people along if they're spending way longer and you've seen what you need to see. But I just say, let people flounder because you can learn a lot, you know, and if they, if they get frustrated and they go, okay, so let's deal with that issue. They're frustrated and you're, you're feeling bad, right? If they get frustrated 
then what you do is you just say, they say, I, I don't know, I can't find this damn thing. Where, is this what you want me to do? And you just say something like, uh-huh, or like, yep. Yeah, um, so if there was another place where it might be, where might it be? And, and I, sometimes I have to say that two or three times. Sometimes just say nothing. If they go, oh, what, what? I don't know. I, it's not over here. You know, then just say nothing. And then they're like, do, do, do you want me to, do you want me to keep doing this? And then you can just say, is there, is, if there was another place where you might get to it, where might that be? Hoping that they'll go to the wired up path that you wired up. And um, if they don't, then that's fine. You can say, oh, can you just move on to the next task? Right. Cool. So it's okay to have broken prototypes. I, 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 once I got comfortable with that early on in my career, um, and it's just the practicality and it's lo-fi testing. So it's supposed to be broken. So don't worry about it. You know, um, unless you really want to polish it up and wire up and what we call it like a more um, mixed fidelity or a higher fidelity uh, test. If you're going to do that, then cool. Wire it all up. You know, if you're testing, but it, sometimes those early on prototypes that we lo-fi test are, um, uh, they're just directional check to see like, you know, to see like, uh, for example, I have a dashboard that I worked on as part of a web app. And um, we've, you know, with my client, our team and stuff, we designed um, uh, a bunch of notifications that sit on the bottom of the app. And then we also have the notification bell up in the top corner. Um, and that kind of concerns me because um, there's gonna be a lot that are stacked down there. So um, I wanna see the reaction of the user to, to that. You know, I wanna see how they, if they're like, oh no, you know, like, and so in that case, I wired it up, you know, so it depends what you want to see is what you wire up and anything else, just put a placeholder and then don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't, don't, don't worry about babysitting the user. If I could use that term, um, or it's more like nurturing, I guess would be a nicer term. Don't, don't worry about like, um, protecting them from frustration. Um, as long as you don't let on that they're a failure or they failed, or, you know, if you just go, ah, you know, I once had this product manager in a user test it was it was one of the first user tests that we did with this company and it was for drug design uh drug designers at, at huge like eli Lilly. we were a merc or eli Lilly, one of these huge pharmas and and we like we couldn't bring them anywhere we went to them and we had them sit down and there was it was kind of a small room i think it was the user's office and the product manager was at the back and he, he, he was a he's a new yorker and hilarious like that's why i love new yorkers but he was like oh just click the damn link you know he actually used another <laughs> more <laughs> colorful new york based expletive which i won't repeat here on the podcast but right. um and he said this like where you could hear it now the thing about that the thing about that was that i was shocked that it wasn't actually a big deal that's a real new york thing where people are like, ah, ah, they're bubbling or whatever. They're like, they're, they're like, you know, swearing or whatever. You wouldn't be able to get, get away with that in the Midwest, you know, where, where, where I grew up or in um, the West coast, people are not, uh, that's not, they would be like, ah, you know, you yeah. probably like, they'd probably be just like, what the heck? But <laughs> basically bring lots of um, duct tape for your, um, <laughs> for, for your team observing. I mean, even just if you go, you know, if, or if you, if you, if you make a, and that's a dramatization, but let's say you go, oh, or you go, no, let's say you go, oh, and you make like some sort of like um, pre-verbalization, pre-vocalization, I should say, 
that's, that's going to add stress to your user. So it's better to not give them any idea whether it's right or wrong or whether it's good or bad. <laughs> Best to just be neutral with your, with your voice um, and, and, and not, um, not help. See, if you rescue someone, you're basically saying, oh my God, you're making mistakes. Let me help you. Jeez, I feel so bad for you. You know, I've, I've made you do this test and you're struggling. If you just act like nothing happened, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like uh, you see these movies about the uh, personality of a, of a, a serial killer and they, they have no feelings or something like that. That's the, you have to kind of adopt that no feelings thing when you're doing user testing because you're trying to remove these like, you know, uh, parts of bias or this noise, if you will, from the, from the, from the um, process. Right. Cool. No, I think that that's great advice because I feel like we all get the urge to jump in and help. And I think yeah. part of that comes from us wanting our prototypes to, to be good versus uh, being willing to sit back and let them not be good and let us figure out why. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cool. So, um, before, before we go further into, into usability testing, kind of staying like at a foundational level that you, you wrote a, an, a great article on one of the myths of usability testing and how there's this number floating out there of, of five tests should be enough. Could, could you take us through that and, yeah. uh, just the, the thought process behind it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so just to kind of baseline that, I I've uh, performed, uh, I think probably close to uh, five to six hundred uh, usability tests, and um, in the last couple of decades, right? And um, that might be a conservative number, but um, uh, have done testing in many many different environments and settings as well. And um, okay, so that's just, that's who I am. But now you come to doing your user testing and you even read popular books these days. that will be like, just test with five users. In fact, there's a, there's a, a great book called Sprint, um, which is about design sprints, which is, is a really, really good, good book way to get into that if you're, if you're, if you're uh, interested in, in how to conduct um, day five of this five-day sprint as a, um, a user test. And the authors of that book actually say, perform five users with your test, you know, um, because Jacob Nielsen said so. Jacob Nielsen um, is the guy who gave us the five user uh, directive. And when I say that, he's the, the, Jacob Nielsen is the kind of, um, uh, he's, he's known as, I think it was called the Elvis, <laughs> Elvis or the godfather or something of web usability like in the late 90s. Um, He's, he's a, a guy who wrote a paper with his colleague, Ralph Mollick, in the early 90s. I think it was Mollick or it was Mac. I think it may have been Mac. But anyway, there were two of them. How you know that no one's gone back and checked that out is, is they only mentioned Jacob Nielsen. And the original, the original five sample thing was done on this in early 90s with telecom software like Bell or something like that, like uh, Bell Labs. Uh, but the deal with the five, five user tests is... Um, what they said, and the reason I mentioned that original uh, study where that came from, is they actually say in there to test five users per segment, five users per segment. So most companies that I work with have like um, at least two or three segments, that's 10 to 15 users. Some of them have like eight segments or 16 segments, sometimes they have six, like half a dozen is common. So you don't hear that part of the conversation. Um, now, um, books like that design sprint book, Jake Knapp and, and his colleagues that wrote that, that book, 
Um, when I do a design sprint, I do five users on day five, but I know, I know that I'm, it's just a cursory toe in the water. So when you test with five users, um, you, need to, you need to know that you're doing it as, as a seasoned UX um, pro or, or a, team, a mature UX team. And you're like, okay, yeah, we're just gonna do a very low number of users to test with. And Jacob Nielsen always shows, he always evangelizes this. And I think it's part of the problem with being a guru is like once you say something, like, and you know, and so many people respect you and follow you, it's hard to turn, turn that around. So for years, he's been saying, even just recently, he's, he, he said, um, somebody asked him about sample size and he, he, um, use, he, he uses ridiculous like um, analogy where you should test five users and just do it iteratively and essentially do it like, you know, um, 10 or 50 times or something. And it's like, who has the scope? I mean, it's, just, it's actually crazy if you think about that. It sounds good um, because basically what he says is like after five users, the, he, he's diminishing returns. He uses this kind of economics uh, concept yeah. of diminishing returns. If you actually look at his graph, if you look at his graph, that, and it's, it's, I have it in that blog post and it's easy to find um, and when, it, when you talk about the five user test, um, he... It, 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 you look at to the 10 users and there's like a lot more data just sitting on the table, you know, with the 10 users. So the problem, the reason I bring this up is not really to, you know, to, to, to criticize Jacob Nielsen, even though I guess it is a, a criticism of, of this particular point. The reason is because what I've seen over two decades of doing user testing and UX work is that so many people coming to this, to this technique, this so, so essential technique of user testing, they go, oh, five users. And there, I know companies, I know UX teams across the world and all they ever test with is five users. Well, here's the problem with five users. Get one user who is bad because maybe your recruiting game isn't up to scratch. Took us like, um, I would say we took recruiting in-house in like 2006. I think it took us probably like four or five years internally to get our recruiting game really up to scratch and re and we keep refining it. So there's, there's, there's um, a constant process of, of improving it. And the reason we took it in house is the market research firms we were using for recruiting um, were not really performing to the level of quality that we wanted. So quality of recruiting is a huge topic in this area of user testing. But let's say your recruiting is like you get a dud right? Or a no-show and you, you know, okay, maybe you get a stand-in. So you've got, you still got five users. You get someone who's like, like I had a guy once, he got, came off a flight. He did a, a red eye, like an overnight flight. At, and it was in San Francisco. He came into the lab at like 7 a.m. His brain was so fried. His performance was so, and I was like, oh my God, never recruit somebody who hasn't slept all night. Cause his brain was like, just drunk. It was like he was drunk. He could hardly like, you know, navigate this website. And it was just a silly consumer website. It was nothing serious. You know, it wasn't like a totally focused, like big data, big, you know, heavy duty problem solving or something like that. Um, but say you throw that one out, now you've got four users to, to deal with. Um, and that's assuming you only have one segment, which never, Jacob Nielsen never reinforces that point from about five per segment. And so that, that echo chamber happens, you get really cool authors like Jake Knapp, who's a senior UX guy at Google and stuff. And design the design sprint methodology there, which you know, we use, I use, it's great. Um, but anyway, long story short is uh, five users per segment. Now, what we recommend sample size wise is, is do a minimum of like 10. Um, this topic has actually been studied academically and 15 users is like 
the um, cutoff. So if you want to do like a real like test, do 15 users, that's technically three segments in, in Jacob Nielsen's model um, that you're testing. But uh, 10 to 15 users is a good, healthy sample. Um, you know, and, and, and don't, just, don't just be lazy and be like, oh yeah, we, you know, it's, it's, it's as if, you know, the, the reason why this topic isn't really discussed is it sounds stupid. Why would you listen to me saying go do 10 or 15 users when you could cut your homework down in half or a third and just do five users and get it done in, a, in an afternoon? I mean, from, from like an, an expert in the field, that, you know, or, or a guru, Jacob Nielsen is telling you to like, to cut your homework down and just like grab five people. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, that sounds like intuitive. Just, you know, just grab a few people to keep it. But the, the, the reality is once you get five users, um, it's not that much more to get another five, you know, and what a lot of um, agile or lean UX uh, practices do is they get like five per week you know, um, at the least trickle, it's like two or three per week. And then over a month, you've got like a full test sample. Um, but if you can do like five users on a Friday, every Friday, you're just smoking. Yeah, that's just a great sample size. Um, you know, then you've got, by the end of the month, you've got 20 users that you've tested with. And you can start uh, gaining some knowledge from the insights that you're getting. Uh, we've, we've noticed, I started noticing that before I realized this was an issue, I started noticing this, um, you know, when we, we do, we do user testing professionally, like as a consulting firm. So for us, five users is really light that we, we couldn't recommend that. We'd just be like, uh, five users and be like, yeah, like, you know, build your design, like build your product plan off of five users. We couldn't sit there with a straight face and like say and, and tell people to do that. Um, and we also couldn't sell them like, you know, five more tests. So like, oh no, five users for the next, like, you know, four months, just retain us and pay us, you know, tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars so that we can get like this iterative sample size. Couldn't do that either, right? From a, from an ethics or, or integrity or just a sales standpoint, right? Um, so uh, instead, yeah, what we, what we did is, is we, we were like, you know, testing with like eight users at a low end and being like, ah, eight users, that's a real skinny test. And we tell our clients, this is, you know, if they're like, oh, we don't have a budget. And, you know, so we'd be like, okay, well, we'll just do an even smaller sample. And the smallest sample we would do is, is eight, use eight to 10 users. But um, if we can just do a normal test, we'll test like 10 to 15 users. Um, with 15 being that, you know, that baseline that, um, that, uh, um, uh, that uh, uh, Lori Faulkner, I think it is. She did some. Uh, she, there's a whole paper on that. You can you can Google it. Uh, you can you can Google the uh, usability user testing sample size and see what comes up. And you might find Lori Faulkner's paper. I think I've written a few blog posts about that. Over when I discovered it, and I think like 2008, I wrote a blog post about it. Um, and then what I saw is, like I said to you, is is people going with that five sample. The guru said five. Guru says five, and then just seems sloppy um, on what I call like lazy UX is like cutting corners. Um, but user testing is not a place to cut corners because you learn so much from users. It's it's worth the extra time that you put in. It's worth grabbing a few more users just to like you know pad out your sample size so that you're not just skin and bones on your insights. 
Absolutely. And I'll try to find her article and put it in the show notes and I'll put the article you wrote in the show notes as well too, so that the listeners can go find it. So the, the last point I want to cover, and I think there's, there's a lot of ground that we could go try to cover here, but I think the last part that I want to touch on is the preparation that goes into conducting a usability test. And, you know, you've talked before about building a test plan and I'm huge on preparation. Um, there's a lot of quotes around the benefit of preparation, but in essence, um, what are the things that the listeners should be doing before going into a plan? And what does that test plan look like? Yeah. So we talked about two uh, really important things already in, um, in, in this, um, uh, in this conversation. The first one was recruiting and doing um, quality recruiting, not just grabbing somebody down the hall, not just like um, grabbing your mom or, or someone that just, you need to, you need to get the person who's doing the thing you're studying and, and actively doing it. So car shoppers, you don't just get someone who's like, yeah, I bought a car like, you know, five years ago or two years ago, you get someone who's like, I'm looking for a car. Like in the next two months, if I don't buy a car, you know, or yeah, I just bought a car three months ago. I'll tell you everything about it. That's the person that's going to be fresh. So re quality recruiting is number is, is key. Um, the other thing that we talked about was writing your test tasks. So you don't say, go buy this, you know, walk uh, this, uh, um, uh, whatever it is, uh, the, go buy this. I think I almost said Walkman. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a flashback for you. I don't know why I said that. I think I saw somebody where, uh, with a Walkman, uh, like a, one of these memes or something, um, <laughs> or watching one of those 80s shows. Um, go buy this, go buy this uh, uh, you know, iPhone. If you just say to them, go do this. So writing the tasks is, is critical. That's in your test plan. That's your task section. So in your test plan, it looks like this. You've got um, objectives, like what you're, why you're testing business objectives, right? So we want to know if they, you know, uh, want to know what the reaction is to product pictures or to product details or whatever, like e-commerce example, right? Um, and, uh, and the task would be like, you know, you're looking for, for uh, a um, sound system with, with power um, and, uh, you know, or that gives you good bass or whatever, you know, fill in the, uh, and so you just kind of leave it open and let them kind of browse and then you watch how they do it. Um, and in your test plan, then you'll also have, you may have like the click path or the end result. So that what you consider success for that task. So you're looking for something with power or with good base, that would be um, that the, the end result might be category page, the filters that you've got on the site, and then maybe the one product that promotes that thing. Maybe it's some new speaker or some wireless, let's just say it's a wireless speaker. Um, and there it is. It's this wireless speaker that has, that has good base and blah, 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 you know, has power or whatever. You can use it to, to be a DJ with or something like that. So there's the product, you know, so that would be, that's your test plan is to objective, the test task that's well-written, that's written in the form of a scenario, you know, that doesn't lead the witness, um, that doesn't tell them what you're looking for, and then the end result. Um, and so that, that's really critical. And I, I think the, the most, the biggest key, I think, for people that are new to this is um, write those, those scenarios and, and then test them out with someone, you know, do like a dry run before you do, do start, start all your user testing with like a dry run and see how it, it goes. Now, there is something that you can do to prepare. Remember at the beginning how I defined UX as these two, um, uh, you know, almost pillars, one for a product manager, one is user testing we've been t focusing on. 
The other one is a field study or customer interviews, observations. That's where you get the task insights from, right? Because the thing is like I'm writing, some, when, when I teach this, people go, I don't know what tasks to test because I don't even know if these are the right tasks. And that, what that question beckons is, well, then we need to go out to the users. And, you know, when I first started doing this work, I remember that I, I had the same question. I was like, how do you know what the task is? Like, how do, how, how do you know what the right task is to be asking from their point of view, from the user's point of view? And um, what I was told was like, okay, let's, we'll do some quick phone interviewing. And so I did that. I did that. What I try and do now in my work when I work with clients in what we do at Experience Dynamics is we'll do the initial field study information gathering, get that behavioral data, capture those tasks, bring that into the prototyping and then test from there. So we get the kind of the package of what we call user-centered design um, as, a, um, as a way so you already know what those are. So, so for me, when it comes to writing tasks these days, I'm, I'm already instinctive about what the tasks are because I got them from the horse's mouth. So if you, don't have, if you didn't talk to the horse and you're just doing user testing or you think UX is just user testing and not the other half of the research side, which is field studies, um, then you're going to need to do some type of validation uh, phone interviews are really good because you can kind of, and then when I say phone interviews, like a 30 minute is a short phone interview, you can kind of feel it out on that. And you can, you know, so be like, what, what kind of problems are you trying to solve? Maybe like, they'd be like, well, what I need is a waterproof speaker and I want it to look like a Walkman from the eighties. <laughs> right. um, and you're like, oh, okay, well, why is that? And you'd be like, well, I'm, you know, I've got some hipster friends I'm trying to impress or something like that, right? <laughs> they're giving you their values. They're giving you the context. And then they go, waterproof for what? And they go, oh, we, we go out in the woods and, and listen to, um, you know, whatever uh, enjoyable, uh, like, I don't know, piano music. We, we do this as part of a meditation for our group. Oh, okay. Well, what's that all about? Okay. Well, so then you get this understanding. You go, okay. So you're looking. So then you come back to your test plan. You go, you're looking for... Um, a, a speaker that can work outdoors and has like muting functions and bass and blah, blah, and whatever the, you know, the features of the thing are and the requirements, you know, which of the, which, which speaker would be appropriate for you? And they go, well, there's three here that you, that I found on this page. And this one here says it can work outdoors. So that maybe that, you know, let me look at that, you know, and then you know that your task is the right task to ask and um, actually works when you do that dry run. Um, ultimately, like on this issue of task, well-formed tasks, uh, well-formed tasks is that you want to um, get it so that it's realistic. And how you check that is you ask, just ask your users during a test, be like, are these, at the end, just say, were these tasks realistic? It's kind of casual. And they'll say to you like, oh yeah, 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 they, yeah, they were, I would say so. Or they'll say, well, no, not really. Task number two, like, I don't even, I don't even know what that is. I've had users say that to me. Um, I've also had users say to me um, when they're doing the test, they're like, it says like, you're, you're going to, you're after you're going to have lunch with a friend and then go for golf. It's like a find a golf course or something. Um, which golf courses are near you or near a restaurant that you're, you know, that you like or whatever. And so they have to go search on a map or a zip code and find the golf club course. Well, I had this user once say to me, and I've had this happen a few times. He goes, well, the, that's exactly what I'm doing after here. He goes, I'm meeting a friend for lunch after I'm done with this test and I'm going to, we're going to look for a golf course, you know, or something. And I was just like kind of giggling in the, in the, in, you know, while I was observing because, um, 
that you know then you know that your tasks are um, are the right ones when when the user feels like they're realistic. There's nothing like giving the users contrived tasks because um, uh, it, that's that's just you know poor quality poor quality uh, with your with your tasks. That's really good. Well, Frank, I, I know you've you've uh, showered a, a ton of insights and, and a wealth of of knowledge from from your experience. I appreciate you coming on and sharing. And like I said, there's probably so much more ground we could cover. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me, and it was really great to talk to you. And uh, good luck with the uh, with the podcast. Uh, thank you. And before we go, if someone listening wants to get Experience Dynamics and with their company helping out with with uh, UX, how would they get in touch with you? Um, we can put a link to experiencedynamics.com as is our website, and uh, or they could email me directly. You might I don't know. You could put a uh, a uh, link to my LinkedIn and connect with me that way. I'm pretty okay. easy to find on the web. If you type Frank Spillers, uh, you can track me down somehow, but <laughs> I'd, I'd say if you're a business and you're looking for help with UX, um, with research or, or user testing, or you're looking for training in it, then yeah, I'd, I'd go to experiencedynamics.com and the contact form and you'll, you'll get a reply um, pretty, within a day or so or less. Okay. Thanks Frank. Thank you, John. That was Frank Spillers, Chief Experience Officer at Experience Dynamics. After hearing all that Frank had to say, I hope you feel well equipped to take on the challenge of conducting high quality usability tests. And remember, don't fall for the five user myth. Make sure you're at least getting five users per segment of your business. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode as we continue to bring you key insights from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. To help others find us, feel free to share this episode and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app and a review telling others what you like about the show. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Podcast.